This is Harney's Offshore Litigation Podcast number one. My name is Ian Mann and I am joined by my colleague here in Hong Kong, Gareth Murphy. Welcome, Gareth. Uh, Hello, Ian, and hello, listeners. (laughs) The topic is lessons learned from the fascinating recent shareholder case in the English High Court of Dinglis. Um, Is that how you pronounce it? I hope so. I have to say, when I was first given a copy of the judgment, and once I got over the fact that it's 96 pages long... Oh, no. What is going on? Modern judgments are getting just monstrous. Uh, it has its own index, which is always a, a bad sign. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but once I got over that, the, the first question was, uh, how do you pronounce this uh, this name of this company and the name of the parties? Is it Dingles Rhymes with Shingles? Or is it, as you've said, uh, rightly so, I believe, Dinglis? Perhaps he could tell us how, well, how you know that. I'll trust an Irishman to try and make it uh, rhyme with a place in Ireland. Um, but I have to say, I've got one over you. I actually emailed um, Daniel Lightman QC, huh. who, <laughs> who is the who was the the silk representing the respondents, and I asked him the question just to get one over you. I asked him, "How do you pronounce it?" He said, "The name is pronounced Dinglis. They're a Cypriot family, after all, aren't they?" So, Absolutely. Anyway, um, that's the most important thing, so we don't look foolish. You know, Daniel Lightman's actually the son of Gavin Lightman. Incredible family, but anyway, I did not we know that. Digress. Indeed. So, uh, what's this case all about? Well, I mean, firstly, I'd uh, like to say the judge was Adam Johnson QC, sitting as Deputy High Court yeah, Judge, yeah. and we refer to him as the judge yeah, just yeah. for ease. Mm. But as he, as the judge, so eloquently described. It, the entire background to this petition begins with a catastrophic falling out between members of the Dinglis family. Yeah, that sounds like all of our Asian disputes that lead to unfair prejudice claims in the BVR came out. <laughs> yes, it certainly, it certainly sounds familiar, I think it's fair to say. Um, so the, we don't need to get into the ins and outs of what caused a catastrophic fa- falling out, although that is obviously relevant and it's set mm. out in the judgment. But I suppose it's the, the case that there was a family business, a property business based mm. in North London. Um, and the uh, uh, first named respondent, Andreas uh, Dinglis, uh, was the father. He'd set up the business mm. and he got his uh, children involved uh, to, uh, with the business, but also his children were shareholders. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul, who is the uh, petitioner, uh, and his sister Cheryl, who was a party and a, a petitioner, um, but then who reconciled with her father and was was released from the proceedings mm. and sold her shareholding to her father. So mm. it, it was remains just Paul uh, as the only petitioner. He uh, owns 12% essentially of the business. This is Paul. This is Paul, yeah, the son. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, you know, bizarrely, I mean, at one stage, because there are divorce proceedings yes. between um, Father Andreas and his uh, wife, uh, Iris, mm. and then Cheryl and Paul, the two children, actually sided with, with mum for a yeah. while, didn't they? They did, yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, it's son-suing father, essentially. It was son-suing son father, but as you say, there, there was a, a, a matrimonial proceedings mm. where the two children were seemed to be on the side of the, the, the wife, and then, no sooner was an order made in, in into 2015 in the matrimonial proceedings, then the father took proceedings against a number of parties, including including the two children, his own two <laughs> children. Well done him. <laughs> immediately. And, and there's only been an, yes. a, an order in that, in that case mm. in 2019, so just mm. before we get to this judgment. So that's mm. all kind of the background to, to how we get to here, you know. And I mean, the, the, the ultimate, I mean, this is only stage one in a sense because the judge is find, finds that there is unfair prejudice, yeah. some naughtiness, which I no doubt you'll tell me about. Mm. Um, but he, he, he also finds, however, contrary to the 
petitioner's case, that's what you call it in England, um, that it's not a quasi-partnership type company. Mm. So, I mean, this this is only, I suppose you'd call it liability. We've got quantum next. You that's know. correct, absolutely correct. Mm. And there's issues around quantum that are discussed, but haven't actually been decided, as you say, yeah. in relation to the date of valuation, which is mm. something that could, uh, could obviously have a bearing on things, and what exactly the minority discount to be applied is. Um, as you say, quasi-partnership is a crucial part of this case, um, and, 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 and in finding that there was uh, no quasi-partnership, then uh, a minority discount, of course, can be applied, as our listeners no doubt are aware. Uh, but listen, you know, the, the, the minority discount is going to be a swinging great discount, mm. is it, in a case where the, 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 the shareholding is only 12%, yeah. um, Sun, Paul, had never had a seat on the board anyway, no. the other 80 Eight percent of yep. the shares are all held by dad, mm. and so that's going to have to be a swinging great minority discount. Yes, I think you're right. And one other factor there mm. is that be- since the catastrophic falling out in 2012-2013, um, uh, Paul has had no involvement in the business at all. Yeah, and intriguingly, right, 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 right. the business has dramatically improved in its fortunes since <laughs> since dad took oh, back control. So oh, I do think dear. with all of those factors on board there may well be a significant uh, discount on on the minority you know whilst we're talking about minority discount um i mean it's been very interesting to look i mean the the, the general rule has been over the years that you would expect there to be a minority discount in all uh, cases where there's a, a buyout ordered mm. um where it's not a quasi partnership but if it is a quasi partnership then you're not going to give a minority discount. Yeah. And um, there's a there's an odd sort of part of the judgment mm. where they sort of... The judge seems to, at Daniel Lightman's behest, seems to catch out um, the, the learned and famous uh, author and, and, and deputy judge Robin Hollington, where he, he Robin seems to say things somewhat inconsistent in his mm. book with, with, with a, a decision that he himself was a, a judge in. Um, called Blue Index, which mm. was a 2014. An interesting case, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought there was an interesting reference in his book, where petitioners acquired shares as an investment without an entitlement to participate in the running of the company, the general rule is appropriate to apply a discount, mm. especially if the petitioner originally acquired the shares at a price which was discounted to reflect a minority status. Mm. And I mean, that seems to be... Uh, the case, but as you say, the judge actually looks at some interesting potential exceptions to the to the rule that we said uh, that, that that where a pro rata valuation was justified, even where there was a quasi partnership. Um, uh, it's an interesting analysis. This whole area of, of of minority discount that the judge does in his last few pages uh, of, of his judgment. I mean, um, uh, not settled yet. I mean, we, we need some sort of court of appeal yeah. uh, decisions on this, yeah. really, don't we? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is probably a whole podcast just to talk about minority mm. discount, but I, I was just very interested to see how O'Neill and Phillips is mm. very well summarised yeah. by the, the, the judge as well as Ibrahimi and Westbourne galleries. Um, and I always, um, I, I can never understand why, you know, all, all these learned authors tell us that you must never categorise um, those categories which might cause there to be a finding of, of, of just an uh, of, mm. of, you know just an equitable winding up but I, I have a bit of a theory that you can actually categorize those as, as five I mean that the first one is always deadlock yeah illegality mm-hmm. loss of substratum 
Yeah. If there's a quasi-partnership company found. Yeah. And then oppression. Now, I just remember those. I just rattle them off because if you pull it together, that's that that has an acronym it's, it's called disco <laughs> that's right absolutely <laughs> very very good and there would certainly appear to be have been some uh, some 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 shapes thrown about in this in this case if you, if you pardon me using that expression um i thought there really was an excellent i agree with you an excellent analysis of the the the, the key judgments uh, o'neill and phillips in particular yeah. um and and the difference between you know when when you have a and this i think is, is interesting where you have a clear understanding between the parties mm. beforehand in terms of a quasi partnership mm. and where you just have a kind of an expectation that a party has mm. and while a party is entitled to an expectation <laughs> well, it's not the same yeah well that, i mean you you you're essentially talking about a contract that you know there's no basis for a bargain and yeah. this this you know we're warned aren't we yeah. um in o'neill and phillips by um lord hoffman that yeah. you know be careful with his expression legitimate expectation because just because one party wants it, in fact, the case doesn't yeah. mean both parties have agreed. You've oh. got to show an agreement and reliance. You uh, know? Absolutely. Um, um, I think it's worth actually at this stage of the podcast, perhaps just you know summarising the findings and the issues that arose in this case, so that people can can you know really get their teeth into this case themselves, because there's just so much in here. Obviously, we just don't have time to talk about today. But ultimately, there was a finding of no quasi partnership after yeah. an excellent analysis yeah. of all the case law on that. Yeah. There was a finding that. There was therefore no unfair prejudice for breach of the understandings, mm. but there was unfair prejudice for breach of fiduciary duties. Yeah. So how those two interrelate mm. is interesting. Mm. And then minority discount because no quasi-partnership. Mm. Mm -hmm. And Dad essentially wasn't looking after company money properly. I mean, yes, it? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So listen, um, that's our time. That's the ten minutes. Um, I, I hope you'll agree to appear again uh, for the same appearance fee, uh, which is nothing. I, well, we'll be consistent then. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks for listening.